How is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I am very excited to be talking to Veronica, who is a co-founder of Demodesk. Veronica, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for the invite. Super happy to, to be on the show and excited to share my thoughts. Yeah, I am excited to have you on, especially because kind of your, your, your company, Demodesk, is very core to a lot of the things I, I spend a lot, a lot of time thinking about, like work, productivity, you know, teamwork, things like that. So kind of with that, let's just dive right in. Can you describe uh, what you're working on to the audience, you know, who, for the people that don't know what Demodesk is? Yeah, sure. So Demodesk um, is uh, building the first intelligent online meeting tool for customer-facing conversations. And um, the, the key thing that really differentiates us from existing tools is our unique approach to screen sharing. So if you're using a tool like Zoom or GoToMeeting, um, if you would share your screen, the only option you would have to do that is record a video of your local desktop screen, basically. Um, uh, we set up a 100% web-based virtual display instead that runs entirely separate from your local desktop. Anyone can access it by just clicking a link. No downloads are required and control can instantly be shared with anyone. And um, by using that virtual display, we can also automatically load the right presentation content, so websites and slides at the meeting start, provide real-time conversational guidance on the presenter side without the customer seeing it, and we also have significantly more data to analyze because for us, the content that's being shared is not just a video. And uh, yeah, so where we want to go with that actually is uh, we want to help inside sales and customer success teams. So customer facing conversations, close more deals, automate workflows, and also scale the team by integrating sales onboarding and coaching right into the meeting flow. Okay, so I feel like this is like a sales manager's like dream or like a, or like a CEO's dream. Um, and I'm, I'm on the website now and, and it is very, very attractive. So, so what I want to do is I kind of want to walk through the user experience of it. Let's say we were using it right now just so I can kind of get a little into the weeds on what it feels like using demo, demo desk. So ultimately you would send me a link and I, and then I wouldn't need to download anything. It's just, I click the link and it's all in a browser. Exactly. You as a customer, I would like, if I'm the seller, so the presenter, sure. I would just send you a link. You would just, when this meeting starts, click on that link and it would immediately open with any browser or any device. And what I'm sharing with you is actually not my local desktop, but I'm using a third virtual display that runs entirely separate from my desktop. So it's basically sitting between me and you in the cloud. And on that virtual display, anything that I need to sell to you is already prepared, preloaded on the side, attached with speaker notes and talk tracks that my sales manager or I myself defined, and also cheat sheets that help me um, handling sales objections. And after the call, everything is pushed back to the CRM automatically. Interesting. I want to tackle those last two points. So ultimately, so I'm, let's say I'm an SDR, right? And, and I, or actually, no, I'm an AE. I'm an AE and SDR is book me appointments. And you're saying like an SDR could book me something and input some notes about that client. And then those notes kind of populate within demo desk. So when I'm giving this person a demo, I have a kind of a, like a, a, like a, like a cheat sheet, as you said, on the side. Is that how that works? 
yeah, you, you could also do that. But like in, in the sales world, you typically have the sales team, especially in larger teams, uh, split uh, in an SDR part and an AE part. So what the SDR typically does is calling a lead and pre-qualifying them. And only if he's pre-qualified, then he gets a demo booked with the AE. So let's say you have like a very big sales team and there is um, a part of the AE team is responsible for larger customers. Another part is responsible for SME customers, for smaller customers. Then in Salesforce, when the SDR clicks book a meeting, would automatically select the right AE team. And with that customer where he books the meeting with, he would automatically download the right content that's automatically prepared when the AE holds the meeting. Got it. That's awesome. And then I want to dive a little into the analytics. So when I think of like demos and video chats, I, I don't really think of analytics. Like I don't even know what would be being tracked. Can you share about, can you just share what's shared in the analytics and kind of what you're tracking to, to send back to the CRM? Um, yeah, sure. So as of now, what we're sending back is length of the meeting, participants of the meeting, of course. Then you also have the ability to make meeting notes right in the same meeting window. And when a meeting ends, we would also push them back to the CRM automatically. You wouldn't have to log that manually. And you also do track um, uh, KPIs like no-show rates. Um, and going forward, what we will also be able to do is actually give um, sales operations or head of sales sales leaders complete insight into what has been shared and uh, depending on what has been shared, what has been talked about. So if you're now thinking of a sales conversation uh, where you typically only record like the, the, the voice conversation, um, you, the only thing that you have is just like a, a very long, like 30 minutes call that can like hardly be separated into the different steps. But when you have the additional context of what actually has been shared when you were and what, 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 what you were talking about when you shared a specific slide, you can go way deeper into the conversation and like cut it way better. So for example, like as a marketing team, sorry, <laughs> when you have developed a certain set of slides, you could basically then afterwards, when there are a couple of calls in the sales team, um, uh, figure out which slides have actually been used for how long and which call and which slides have been effective. So that, that's very powerful. And it sounds like this tool, uh, or not just tool, this product is ultimately giving sales teams superpowers. Are you saying, is, is this, is DemoDesk pretty much aiming to to give the sales team superpowers is that is that pretty is that your goal ultimately yeah totally that's actually our goal yeah so our vision really is to enable anyone to have a great customer conversation um so the vision behind it is really if if you imagine you found a company tomorrow and then develop a SaaS product for example and um one day after when i hire like 10 sales reps and immediately scale um, you could program and define anything you want, like anything you would need during the sales process in Demodesk. And just tomorrow, take those 10 sales reps, put them in front of Demodesk, and it would just be ready to go and wouldn't need to be onboarded for like three to six months. And like there wouldn't be like a, a high differentiation between quota um, and quota attainment if you're looking at the team. So that's, that's the ultimate vision that we're working towards. Got it. I w would love to hear the the backstory and kind of the why behind a demo desk. And the, the reason I ask is because I feel like sales uh, kind of softwares, there's a ton of them and a lot of them aren't good, but the ones that are good, the ones that actually move the needle 
just grows so quickly because if you can improve a sales organization, then, then people will throw you hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars if you're a big company. Um, but it is a hard market to kind of break into. So I'd love to hear kind of what's the why behind Demo Desk and, and what was the inspiration for it? Yeah, totally happy to share that. So in the first place, actually, we, we started with developing that new approach to screen sharing. And uh, we figured out a better way of sharing web apps that's faster and easier to use than traditional applications. So uh, both Alex and I, we were working at B2B SaaS companies, and we just found that the currently available tools um, that are used today inside sales were complex, ineffective, and also not built uh, for the cloud age. So today, when you want to present something online, the only option you really have is record your local desktop screen, like your local desktop screen. So in the time where like almost all B2B companies build web-based software and anything is moving to the cloud anyway, we thought it's just needlessly complicated to route screen sharing through local desktops. And by using that virtual display, we were also like to able to eliminate complications that typically arise, like download issues, fiber problems, lags, resolution, and uh, bad resolution and also automate the workflows that are behind and basically give, as you just said, the sales team superpowers. Got it. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I, I love that, especially being in sales positions in the past. Uh, I, I understand the value. Um, I, I'd love to hear uh, a little bit of the direction and, and vision that you're pulling towards. I mean, the, the sky is the limit with a software like this. So I'm curious, um, what direction are you going in and what's, what's the product vision for the next 10 years or so? Yeah, so part of what I described before like, is not yet built, right? So like, we, can't, we are already able to analyze um, um, in real time parts of the sales conversation, but there's like, a lot more you can analyze and a lot more information that you can make immediately available to the sales rep while he's on the conversation. Uh, so, for example, um, we think that using demo desk in like 10 years from now, or just in general, like when you are in a sales conversation, you will have all publicly available data about the customer immediately disposable in a digestible format to use it for your purpose. Um, so there is like for anyone, there's so much information available, like on platforms like LinkedIn, Google, Wikipedia, whatever it is. And like currently, no one is really making use of it in real time. And we think that this for sure like is the first thing that helps you um, becoming better at sales when talking to someone, but also analyzing the customer's reactions in real time. So when you're talking to someone, so some people like really can read others' minds and they're very good in communicating with others. But like most people are not. And if you already have this technology layer in between, when you're talking to someone remotely, you could also just, just use technology to, to help you analyze the customer's reactions and like, um, improve rapport building in real time during the call. And uh, I think that's, that's really what we're going towards. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to when that all comes to fruition uh, for sales orgs that I run. I am curious... So, so I saw a couple of weeks ago, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was on the Twitter and I saw that you raised a solid seed round. So first of all, congratulations on the funding. I would love to hear some insight into what that process was like raising the seed round, the, the, the fun parts, the hard parts, just kind of like any insight that, that isn't you know, normally readily available on your average blog, just so people listening can understand kind of how a fundraise. Uh, the, the kind of how a fundraise works from behind the scenes. 
Yeah, um, so we did Y Combinator this year. So we were part of the um, uh, 2019 winter batch, which was from January to March this year. Um, so for us, fundraising was in some parts maybe a bit easier for, for like a bit maybe a bit easier than for companies that have not gone through YC because after these three months you have demo day and on demo day you have the possibility to present to basically all investors like all the most relevant investors in the world and they are already there <laughs> so you yeah, get immediate exposure um, so that for sure helped and um, yeah then other than that it's like just probably like for anyone, right? Like talking to as many investors as you can and uh, defining criteria that you want to use for selecting the right investors that make sense for you and your company. And then of course, also like really preparing your pitch and preparing all the questions that help you also getting investors on board and convincing them. Yeah, that's uh, super, super helpful. I'm kind of curious, how does one or how did you think about what type of investor you wanted because there's 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 thousands of investors right and they all have money to give so for some people it's like oh whoever, whoever's gonna give me money first i'm gonna take but then there, there's some people that are like no i want the right partner so how do you think about um picking the right partner and what advice would you have for someone listening who might have some traction who's fundraising that wants to pick the right partner too Yes, yeah, so for, for YC companies, we have that internal database um, where you can actually look up any investor that has ever invested in a YC company before. And uh, YC companies or founders also have the possibility to uh, basically judge and review those investors. Um, so before talking to anyone, before talking to an investor, I typically would check the YC database and then see like whether other founders would recommend that investor or not. And uh, that for sure was, uh, was very helpful when deciding whether I want to work with an investor or not. And um, honestly, so I, I think the, the, the most powerful selection criteria when working with someone is getting a referral from someone that already has worked with that person that you trust. And uh, that was for us like the strongest, strongest factor when we're choosing someone. Definitely. Uh, who you know is such a powerful it's such a powerful little phrase and tool. Like if, if someone, you know, recommends someone, you know, you know, they're vetted. So that's cool. Uh, something I want to now kind of move the conversation to is, you know, you probably spend a lot of time thinking about your company and working on your company, if not all your time. But something that I I'm learning on the show is that founders also are just very intelligent on that. They spend just time thinking about just random things that interest them, whether it be technologies that are happening, problems in the world, other companies that interest them. I'd love to know what are some, if we took a peek into your brain, what are some of the things that you spend time thinking about um, or pondering when you're not working on your company? Well, I might be a bit biased <laughs> because I'm working on a meeting tool um, that has an integrated real-time conversation assistance built in. But uh, like I am thinking a lot about how we could you could make use of the disposable data in real time and how like how you could technolo use technology to optimize and improve all the areas um, of our lives. Um, so uh, with regards to communication, for example, like uh, as I said before, I really think that uh, technology will give us superpowers when navigating through the world. Um, so um, not only thinking about remote conversations, but in like 10 or 20 years from now, 
um, I am totally convinced that we'll um, be able to make use of, let's say, smart contact lenses that show us contextual data based on what we see, what we hear, and what we say, and really help um, humans becoming smarter in real time and also support us navigating through the world, navigating through anything, basically. And that's I'm thinking a lot about like how to actually like take the information that's already available and put it into real-time context and also make it disposable and digestible to anyone that actually wants to make use of it. That's an interesting thought because you know now you have the internet, which pretty much has everything that you want to know about something is on the internet. The problem is that it's dispersed, it's everywhere, it's behind a paywall, it's here, it's there, it's there. And it, it, the, the company that, this, I guess it might be Google, I don't know. But like, I feel like the company that's like, that, that lets you say, hey, I wanna learn about X. And then it just pulls together all the things you gotta know and, and presents it to you for like five bucks or whatever. Man, that's a great, that's a good company idea. Maybe, it's, maybe it'll be you, maybe DemoDesk will, will, will expand and build that product. <laughs> yes. Now, for now, I'm really like focusing on on, on sales conversations. But uh, like, if you if you spin that that thought further, you could also think about other conversations that you have. So, for example, when you're on a date, right, and you wanna, I don't know, like uh, send a specific impression or wanna like impress the other person that that, that sits in front of you. Um, it also would help you a lot having more information about that person and like using that information, like for example, get in real time getting insights, what her hobbies are or what she's interested in. And then maybe also in real time when you're talking about a specific topic, getting additional information that makes you seem smarter and like immediately educates you, immediately educates you on something. And so I think that's actually like relevant for, for, for any, con any conversation that you have, both in like the, the, the remote world and the physical world. I, I agree with that fully, and it kind of reminds me of the idea that like some of the best senior developers are the best Googlers. Like, you, like you're not great yeah. because you're you know all of it. You're great because you know how to work the resources. Totally. Which I, I I wish more people understood. It's not about it's not about everything being in here. It's about everything in your brain and knowing where everything is to like access the information. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I think also like honestly, it's it's really crazy if you think about like how how much we are already using online meeting tools like like Zoom, Go to Meeting, and, and and other like plain vanilla like standard meeting tools, and like still they they hardly offer us anything besides the possibility to to hear someone, like see someone, and record a video of your local desktop screen. So there's already this technology layer like in between you and me, right? I could like really use that, but we're not using it at all. It's really like a, a black box. Yeah, definitely. That kind of actually brings me back to the industry question. It has been joked around on tech Twitter that it's really hard to build a good, just a good video chat software that works. And that's why like so many have failed and then Zoom came in and like Zoom is doing good. But, but I'm kind of wondering, you know, cause you're doing, you're, you're doing this and you seem to do, be doing very well. I'm curious, what about building this type of software has been so hard and has it gotten easier over the years or, or is, are people just getting smarter and how knowing how to build a video chat technology? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so I think that there's several parts to, to this. So, so first, of course, technology um, is getting better over time. So for example, in our case, we, 
have not developed our own video conferencing technology, but we're using Twilio for that. So it's an external API. What's core to us is really the screen sharing part. So we virtualize anything that you present. And also by doing that, we can actually, as we discussed before, we actually have the possibility to provide only the seller with information in real time without the customer seeing it. Because if you would share your local desk, it would not be possible. So I think like the technologies that you have available um, and the APIs that you can use are getting better and better over time. So not only when talking about video conferencing, but also, for example, going forward, we will be able to transcribe the call in real time and just like pick out specific keywords and based on that keywords provided with additional information, for example, if the customer says, well, it's too expensive for me, we uh, would automatically pull up a cheat sheet going forward that helps you handle that sales objection. And also at the same time would look in Salesforce and uh, analyze like which customer it actually is to really pull up uh, the right answer that makes sense for his specific context. Um, so also like Google speech recognition API, for example, is just, Honestly, it is in a state where it's just uh, good enough to use. And like just a combination of that, all, this, all these technologies that are getting better really helps us building that tool. And um, yeah, but of course it's also like very complex. So we've been working on that for two years already. And it really took us a while to get that going. And we're using uh, Kubernetes and like all kinds of, kinds of different platforms that help us virtualizing the entire desktop that we just talked about. So um, it's, it's, yeah, like advancements in technology, but also just at the same time, hard work. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's always a combination of, of, of something and hard work. It always takes hard work. Um, Cause that's like, cause you know, you got to put in the, the time and, and the work to at work, you know, someone else trying to do the same thing. So I definitely like that. I have a couple more questions for you before, uh, for you before we kind of round it out. You, you know, have you've built a company, you've gone through YC, you've now raised, you know, a couple million dollars, you're, you're doing the thing, you know, you're doing a company and it's working. Um, I'm kind of curious to hear if, if someone was talking to you who wanted to start a company, but didn't know the best way to get started, or they didn't, you know, they, they didn't know how to best do it. What advice would you tell these first time founders or aspiring founders to get them, you know, get them to get started? Yeah, at first, my advice would be like work on something that really excites you because um, if it works, um, it, you will be working on that for a long time. And also building a company is extremely challenging. Um, so we better make sure that it's something that you really enjoy working on. Um, then the second thing would be um, being bold and just don't, don't, don't give up so fast. Uh, so some things just take time, so especially for us. Um, as I said, we've, we've been working on this for two years, right? So it's sometimes it really depends on what, what type of product you're building, but sometimes things really take time and you also need take time. Need to, you also need to give yourself time to really understand like the market good enough, understand the customer good enough, really work with the customer as good as possible to really make sure you, you nail it and serve his needs as good as possible. And uh, yeah, the third thing also, which, which I think is super important, that uh, really believing in yourself and also thinking that you, if, if you work hard enough, you can achieve anything you want. So I think with some exceptions, that might be natural. But overall, I really think like if you, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. And uh, you just have to believe in yourself and not give up. I love that last point. Oh, my gosh. It, it, it's so much about self-confidence. Um, it, it, it's such a head game. I actually want to drill down into that a little bit. I, I don't think I've actually... I don't think this topic has ever been brought up on the podcast before, but it's so important. Like, like, tell me, how did you develop 
your confidence and your belief in yourself? I'm sure it hasn't been easy. You know, oftentimes I'm sure it's been very hard a lot of the time. How do you, how do you you develop that confidence to know it's going to be good and you just keep, keep walking through? Well, when I was a kid, my dad always taught me to believe in myself. And if I believed in something hard enough, like nothing is impossible. So he would always say to me, like, if you want to move a mountain and like you believe in it hard enough, then you could do it. I think that's like a slight exaggeration, of course, um, but but, uh, that for sure helped me in really like believing in myself. Um, But also I am just, um, uh, yeah, I just, I just think you have to also sometimes be thrown into the cold water. And then when you manage tough situations and the more difficult situations you face, um, the easier it is for you to really also get like the belief that you just can handle it if you, if you just try and try your best. And then it's something like most of the time it really works. So um, pushing yourself to your own boundaries all the time, um, that, that is for sure something that, that helps you in, in believing, believing in yourself. So doing things that before you actually did them, you would not believe that they were possible or you would believe that they were super hard, but then you actually went through them and then the end, like you, you realized that it worked and it was not as hard as you would have, might have thought in the first place. Yeah, I love that. Uh, it's such an important lesson for, for founders to understand. It's so much, it's the inner game, right? It's the, it's the game with yourself and the confidence game. Yeah, no, I think like there's also like there's also maybe one quote I wanted to share. It's from Albert Camus and it says like always go too far because that's where you find the truth. And I think like in a lot of ways, that's really true, especially for me. Like in, when I think about my experiences, it helped me a lot. I like that a lot. There's also the, the, the realm of if you do something, you know, if, if you go do something really big and you have a really you set a really big goal for yourself. Um, versus very small. What that does is it, it brings in other people that want to be part of that big goal. No one wants like there's not many people that want to like you know oh I'm gonna run five minutes in a row. That's you know, no I want to run five days in a row. You know that's that's like something that draws people in. And uh, I just think uh, yeah I really admire kind of that answer of yours. So that's awesome. And Thanks. because of that, the last question I have for you, you know, is one thing that I've recently introduced to the podcast and I've liked the, I've liked it so far and we're going to keep it rolling. There are, you know, a lot of people listening who want to break into tech and they also know that one of the best ways to break into tech is just like kind of find people that, that need something or some assistance and then help them out with that. And I've also learned one of the best ways to break into anything is like offer help first and don't expect anything in return. So my question for you is what is something that, that you or demo desk needs help with if you had to have an ask of, of the community of forward thinking founders, what would be your ask uh, of the community? Uh, yeah, that's a great, great question. So I'm um, happy to chat, of course. So as you said, we just raised our seed round and uh, we also like built a huge parts of the product or a large part of the product. So now we're looking for, for fast growing companies that want to work with us. So basically use our product and help us making that product as good as possible and give us um, input to further improving it. And uh, that's the first thing. So whoever like um, is running an inside sales team and wants to make that inside sales team more productive and, and scale the sales team also, uh, we are like super interested in uh, talking to you. Uh, second thing is we, we also hiring at the moment. So we are expanding the team 
both in Munich and, Munich and in San Francisco. So we are located like in both cities and uh, mostly looking for, for great marketers and developers to join us in, in, in building our vision. All right. So if you're listening and you're building a rocket ship, it will only, it will only, if you want a steeper slope and you want to grow faster, you know who to talk to, you know what software to use, which is demo desk. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I learned a lot. I think what you're building is super special as coming, someone coming from sales. I know the pains and you're definitely meeting them with your solutions. So I think, I think it's awesome. And I'm looking forward to seeing where you end up. And again, I just appreciate you coming onto the podcast and chatting with me. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Matt. <laughs> it was, it was great talking to you. I really enjoyed it. So thanks a lot.